Osiris. Welcome to the Saint Disruption Podcast, where brilliant musicians, poets, and visionaries come together to share their creative collaborations and explore what it means to be human in these times. I am Natalia Clavier from Argentina. And I am Andre Matorin, originally from Brazil. And, and we, we are Voxmana. Well, Natalia and Andre, it's so great to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy things are in the lead up to all of these performances, and we look forward to being on the stage with you over the next couple of days. And um, it's, it's really exciting to have you here, and I really am excited to hear about what's emerging musically and creative creatively for both of you. And also, uh, personally, you know, I think there's a, a, a place of commonality in this intersection between the sacred, sacred and native healing and music and what's possible um, right now. It seems like the world is is hungry and sometimes even not knowing where to look. Mm -hmm. So um, let's start there. I'd love to hear from each of you, you know, like when was the initial spark where you felt new that there was something for you in this intersection between healing and music? Um, for me, it was definitely later in my career. Um, when I look back, I got the first hint, uh, when my first album came out in 2008, this was still the MySpace era. And I remember getting a message, um, on MySpace from this, this person, um, saying oh I love your album so much and I play this song Azul because it cures my headache when I you know had a night of drinking the morning after like I'm hungover and like it's it's wonderful and then I got another message this woman uh was grieving the loss of her child and he was very tall and they they call him uh tree and she was listening to my song El Arbol, which means the tree. And without knowing the lyrics, she was finding like, you know, it's the name of the song. And, and I was talking about um, karmic love, like this love that transcends lifetimes. And so I guess I was, without knowing, I was already tapping into that kind of world of connecting um, you know, the two, like the healing aspects of, of music and the human voice and stuff. And then later when I was seeking healing for myself after a divorce, um, I, I ended up in a plant, uh, medicine ceremony and ayahuasca ceremony. And that's when it really happened for me. That's when, first of all, she completely canceled all the music in the room for me. And I was blown away by it because I was surrounded by virtuoso musicians in the same, in the very room where I was. Voices, uh, instruments, and I heard nothing. And somebody asked me afterwards, but I'm sure you 
you already see music. So do you know that this like, uh, what is it called? Sin synesthesia. synesthesia thing yeah. that happens uh, in ayahuasca. It was already happening in my everyday life for me. So she didn't need to show me that and made me appreciate that aspect of like I always felt um, a sense of like inferiority, inferiority. Oh, I can't mm -hmm. even say the word anymore. That's great. Can somebody say inferiority? It? We get yes. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. For like not being classically trained or not having, you know, like a music education. And now later in life, I can appreciate that. You know, I've, I've been carrying this for who knows how long. That's why I'm singing since I'm a, I'm a child. Not because like, oh, I'm super talented, whatever, I'm a prodigy. It's because there's more than a pretty voice to my voice. It's it's a medicine that I can choose to share or not. And I'm choosing to share it. That's powerful. Yeah. And we're going to unpack that. I'm excited to unpack that, uh, that line of... of um discussion mm -hmm. and mom ayahuasca she is a great music teacher so Anu, what about you when was your first spark um when was my first spark well i've been thinking about that as she was answering my my transition from like a classical and jazz musician into the space of music for healing and music for meditation um happened in my own uh, transition in, into incorporating meditation into my life. And at the time, I had a friend of mine who has been meditating since he was a kid. He was a Japanese guitarist, Kenji. And I was living in a big loft in Bushwick. And we decided to start doing kind of like music for meditation sessions every Sunday. And right away, I realized that like, none of my musical education was applicable <laughs> to what we were doing. It was like none of the jazz licks that I had learned and the Coltrane solos and <laughs> classical arpeggios like fit there. And I had to tap into something very different, uh, being present in the moment. And I remember sometimes we would play duets with the planes flying overhead in New York, you know, and just like being present with what's, what's in that space. Being from Brazil, it's it wasn't for a long time that I. It, it took me a long time to realize. <clears throat> you know, I, I was born in Brazil. I grew up playing violin and studying in, in the U.S. and studying in Europe in a very classical environment until I started playing jazz at fourteen. And I think what attracted me to jazz was was the African influence, was mm. was um, the medicine of the drums, of the swing, of the blues, um, of all of these melodies, which aren't as present in the classical repertoire. I think there's medicine there as well, but a different type of medicine. 
And in the process, as I deepen my relationship with music for my own healing and, and for the healing in, in spaces and in my relationship with cacao, which we were talking about earlier, which also is a very powerful healing medicine, um, I, I had this, for years, I had this inspiration of reconnecting with, um, with native traditions, again, being from Brazil and recently discovering that I do have like Mesoamerican blood and um, but even before that, wanting to like just go into the jungle and, and connect with with these songs and and really to me, which are the voice of of you know Pachamama of, of Earth. Um, and so little by little, I've been doing that. Oddly enough, um, the the container that's that I've been connecting with is actually um, the Mesoamerican traditions in Mexico and. Um, and learning the the medicine songs, the Temascal songs, the Sundance songs, and and where that comes from, energetically even, um, through through the Mayan tra traditions, um, and figuring out now how to how to bring that in. And of course, um, I was bringing up Brazil because I I feel like I've only recently realized how much of that medicine is infused in so much of Brazilian music, so much of the melodies. That's why, I mean, to me, like, it's hard to find melodies that are so, so poignant and powerful that like touch your soul uh, as much as, as a lot of the melodies that are written in, out of coming out of Brazil. Um, and I think it's because there was such um, a mixture of different traditions and also of the indigenous uh, medicine ways in the country. Well, it makes it very powerful that you two have come together, considering your you know very complementary and very different uh, foundations. You mm -hmm. know, it's that there's there's always medicine in in when people come together from really diverse and mm -hmm. different different backgrounds. I have a question as as a as a person who is um, whose background is science and mathematics. I have to say that I am deeply personally irritated by the notational convention of music. And I think about Pythagoras, you know, he's, you know, from what I understand, historically, he was the one that kind of like set the seed crystal for what we now know as, you know, structured Western harmonics and notation and mm -hmm. everything. Um, are we better off or worse off because of that? I mean, this is a blip in time. I mean, you know, Pythagoras was a long time ago and through one lens, but actually not that long ago for most of human history. And still there are many people on this planet who do very well at music without the convention. Is it a limitation or is it, is it, tell me, are we better off? As an illiterate, like uh, self-taught um, punk, um, I, I don't think I can speak for, you know, better or worse. I can only speak for all, uh, from what I don't know. Uh, and so, again, like when I, I was able to move past feeling inferior, I think it's pretty freeing the fact that you don't have the, the notion of, of the notation at the same time, some, you know, it could expand certain, certain aspects of your craft. So this is me coming from complete ignorance. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question. Um, Very interesting, yeah. For, I think for many reasons, 
Um, on one hand, when you look at uh, Pythagoras, I'm actually not uh, entirely familiar with his uh, structure around music, but from what I understand um, of geometry and, and his relationship to it, he probably had a different relationship than the modern tuning that we have. I think also there's a such a thing as a Pythagorean tuning, um, which I think is more based in sacred geometry than what we have now, whereas now basically we have modern music that's perfectly out of tune because we needed to simplify it um, so that everything works well within an octave and things um, repeat well within an octave. And I've been thinking about it a lot uh, recently because before... We needed to. We needed to create. Um, we needed to develop calculus in order to create uh, equal temperament, which we have now, so that um, each octave uh, repeats in a similar way and each key sounds the same. And we didn't want that before because the piano, like each key, would be out of tune, and you kept going up in in intervals, and you would end up in a different place. But really, what that created was a spiral. And, you know, you look at a lot of uh, spiritual um, and a lot of different um, healing modalities and um, teachings, and spiral is always a very powerful mm. um, symbol and, and metaphor for the Kundalini, mm. and, you know, the serpents and medicine and, and talking about codes, you know. Uh, it's a powerful code there, and so we've we've stepped away from that, and to a certain extent, um, created this like perfect disharmony um, in our modern music, which is something that you don't hear in Gregorian chants or in even choral music because the the singers aren't going to naturally tune into like perfect harmonies, and so on one hand, that structure has allowed our I think somewhat um, limited cognitive understanding to structure music in a way that is easier for us to understand and, and to play around with in theory, which allows for certain things that might have been more difficult to achieve without that structure. But at the same time, we're also losing, I think, the healing power of like perfect harmony of sacred geometry within our intervals as well, which is very different, which is why I think so many people, when you hear like a chorus, that's like, you know, a choir that's like really singing in tune and it just resonates it with something. your yeah. body in a way that, that a perfectly tuned piano cannot, because it's not in, it's not um, relating to those uh, sacred geometry um, relationships, the way that, um, that nature does and that you see in flowers and that you see in plants and that you see in vortexes and water like all of that is sacred geometry and we've stepped away uh from that a little bit in our modern tuning well, you know ornette coleman's way of addressing that the whole harmonics system was a really interesting you know and like when you actually enumerate it's a it's a spiral mm. um it was a beautiful attempt at kind of coming back to a more emotionally original mm. way of of annotating musical expression mm. What a cat. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your new project. I know that you're performing at the Leaf Festival this weekend and, yeah. and you're 
moving from EDM to IDM. That's tell correct. Us, tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Natalia's journey from EDM with Theory Corporation to IDM, intentional dance music with Vox Mana. Um, yeah. How did we come up with that, with that term? It's because ecstatic dance and movement and embodiment. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it goes back to our, like the whole foundation of how we, where we created the music from, which was, um, making sure that whenever we had a production section, production session, <laughs> um, Before we even played a note, we would sit down together and, and check in with each other, maybe meditate, uh, cleanse the space, um, yeah. and make sure that before we ever recorded anything, we had cleared whatever was in our space, whether it was a heartbreak or a new love or, or any like thing triggering in our careers or in our lives and our families. And so there was a definitely a very profound level of intention with what we were creating. We didn't know necessarily what was going to come out of it, but we wanted it to be from a, a place um, that was centered and, and, and present. yeah, present. And was it uh, your first time working like that? Yeah. Yeah. For Mine me too. as well. I've never worked like that um, before <clears throat> in music. we can really pinpoint a genre of what we've created we've created already like quite a wide wide spread of uh kind of different musical texture um and we're we're kind of discovering as we go mm -hmm. um what feels good what works what doesn't work um and creating from there yeah so for now it would be like i mean this 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 is, is going to ring a bell uh Electronic music and world music <laughs> combined, mm -hmm. I feel like. With like know. medicine and healing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the plus that yeah. I didn't have with, with uh, Thievery because with Thievery Corporation, definitely the, the electronic music and world music influences was definitely there. Now with this project with, with Vox Mana, we are able to infuse it with all of our practices, all our journeys our quest for our own healing and we're able to share that like literally infuse it in, mm. in every piece that we co-create mm -hmm. 
one of my elders says that for every moment, especially in ceremony, for every moment, there's a rhythm, there's a pulse, and there's a melody. And if you can just unearth that from the intelligence that's all around you, then that creates this river of medicine. Mm-hmm. So is there, a, is there a piece of that that's happening in, in this new project in IDM? Do you have a, 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 a different way of approaching the creative process? How is it working oh, yeah. from the nuts and bolts perspective? We start from the the pulse and the and the energy of the very moment without any expectation, any you know also there's the instance in that can happen, which is I come with something that I that was sent to me initially mm-hmm. and then we work it together or the other way around andre channeled this thing created this thing and then we come together so it's either that or we start from from scratch from this state of flow you know going back and forth with with loops um of the violin of the vocals like a jam like mm-hmm. it'll be like a intentional centered clean jam session mm. not like numbed or elevated with anything other than cacao or yeah, tea true. yeah we used to usually do cacao during <laughs> yeah. those sessions and even when you when you or myself bring something like of our own it's it's pretty much always been rooted in a space of our own healing of mm-hmm. our own process um and then we together kind of bring that and, and yeah, elevate it to something new. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And what's what's your ideal venue for this sacred work? Ideal venue. I mean, thinking big. Notre Dame. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, a cathedral is not going to have. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Best type of acoustics. <laughs> I don't know, honestly. Licabetus in in Athens. Thinking, I mean, thinking local in the States, I think a great place for this, uh, like in a large scale, would be Red Rocks mm. because of the sacred land, the amphitheater uh, setting. Yeah, I think a place that, that has a really strong connection with the land. Yeah. Whether it's in the jungle or in the desert or... Yeah. Some... I mean, the venue where we did mm-hmm. not a typical performance, but more like a ceremony, holding ceremony space for, for cacao uh, last night, the listening room, beautiful mm-hmm. venue for a small venue. intentional space. Yeah. A yeah. church, for sure. A place of prayer, regardless of the religion. Or belief system. As long as the acoustics don't get too in the way. Right. You know, if we look at times in the past, whether we're talking about the 1960s or the, you know, 1400s, you know, there have been periods where, you know, musical expression has been much more of a a guidepost for people in their lives and in terms of meaning and, and, you know, right now, the, you know, the democratization of music through technology has had a pretty dark underbelly. It's, it's really changed the landscape. And we're almost in a place of this poverty of riches where there's so much music that people, um, you know, our friend John Modeski puts it like this. He says, I wonder if people actually 
most people have actually forgotten how to listen to music. And hearing you speak, for me, begs this question. Is what you're doing and what other like-minded and like-hearted people are doing, is, is this actually what will bring the relevance and the true transformative and, and, and illuminative power of music kind of back to the people in this time? There is a lot of music, but I think in the process, I don't think there's there's that much more creativity happening. Um, a lot of what I hear is, is the same, you know, people using similar sounding samples or the same grooves. Um, and of course, I'm not saying that there aren't incredible artists out there right now, but I don't think that, um, for one, I think if if technology and accessibility to the tools to create great music allows for people who didn't have the means to do it before to express themselves in a beautiful way and share something that's really worthwhile. I think that's great. I noticed that for myself, you know, when YouTube started coming out and, and I, all of a sudden, like I wasn't just competing with the people in my neighborhood, but I was competing with like some kid in Thailand, you know, at first that was kind of scary. And then I was like, Whoa, I actually, have to step up my game. Um, and so I think in that sense, it's great what's happening. Um, because, because it's, it's in, competition can be a good thing, not in the negative sense of I need to be better than, but like, actually, how do I, how do I do something new? How do I stand out? I mean, that being said, like, I don't think anybody's making music like what we're making. So like, I don't think that's an issue for us. Like either people are going to resonate with what they hear from us or not, but you're not going to go on TikTok and hear something that sounds like it. Um, you know, you know, I was thinking this, this woman, I was doing this, this, this thing that I do, this offering, I, I guess I could call it, um, which is a guided meditation with life sounds. I love my voice and play certain things surprise instruments and so afterwards this woman was like she had an experience and blah 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 and she's like i see you being acknowledged you're 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 getting like like a grammy type of awards i'm like yeah good luck with like a grammy for what new age what was it just like no it's yet to to be created this category and I was like, yeah, what is it? Is it going to be healing music, medicine music? All music is healing, right? So what is it going to happen with this wave of artists like us creating this type of music? Like, uh, I mean, if I were to like put us in a festival of only this artist, it would be like, I don't know, Porangi, most, uh, I mean, the, the, I don't want to exclude anybody. There's a lot of people that are doing intentional work mm -hmm. with, you know, like, uh, it's not going to be specifically like ours because it's a very specific union and like with unique characteristics. Although what is this genre? Like, how would you call it? Does it deserve a name and, and a space so then it can reach more people because all these awards and stuff like are losing relevance in a, in, in a way. And at the same time, they, they help spreading the world. 
that's what they do, you know? And so in a way, I think there is a, 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 like, a like an empty space in which this thing could be put and elevated and so it can get to more people. And maybe that can happen, what you were mentioning, like that restoration mm -hmm. could be a little bit more mainstream. Well, you know, before the pandemic, you know, there was this huge emergence of transformational festival culture that, that had, at least from my perspective, a lot of the same flavor of intentionality. Let's come together in new ways to elevate consciousness, to be, to be intentional and in how we connect rather than, rather than, you know, what we know has characterized, you know, festivals in the past, oftentimes mm -hmm. crazed, drunken free-for-alls. Mm -hmm. So it is hopeful. And I'm curious, are you all hopeful about what's coming? You know, I always look at my dog and how she never loses hope for that treat, for that pet, for that, um, you know, let's go on a walk kind of thing. And that inspires me mm. <laughs> to, to keep it simple and keep, you know, that presence that that a dog has <laughs> that is so hard sometimes we keep her as humans and then I, I can get you know to this place of hope uh, but then when I go on streaming platforms and I see what the music that comes out and the amount of releases per day not per week per day we're talking about thousands wow. And then I get really discouraged. <laughs> and then I have to look at my dog again. Remember her face. And that's that's where I'm at. That's a good place to be. And and our you know, our animal relatives are free of so much of the mm -hmm. so much of the the things that encumber us. Lack of, you know, reflexive self consciousness is actually a bit of a a bit of a relief. <laughs> what yeah. about you? Are you hopeful about what's what's ahead for humanity and for this planet? To be brutally honest, um, my approach to reality is is uh, taking responsibility for what I create with with my mind, with my consciousness, and um, I know it's unconventional and very unpopular to say that everything is perfect and where it needs to be in the traditions that I've been studying. Um, instead of saying aho at the end of a share or something like that, we say ometeo and ometeo refers to duality, refers to yin and yang, masculine, feminine, light and shadow. And it's really beautiful to see that, that, uh, ancient tradition, to begin a sentence and to end a sentence, they would start with yin yang, like light shadow, good and bad, except like this is instilled as the very essence of how they communicate. Not, nothing exists without its opposite. And sure, there there's plenty of things to look at in the current state of the world and judge and criticize. And there's plenty of things to to be grateful for um and one can't exist without the other you cannot be 
grateful for the joy without being grateful for the the pain, um, the suffering as well. And so for me, it's about being here now. I'm grateful for now. Um, I don't need to be anywhere else. I have everything that I need. Um, and it's not about the future. Um, I also think that one of the things I've been asked this a lot recently, having just moved to Mexico, and and I forget this a lot of times, but one of the things that attracted me to that culture was right away understanding that as a society, they have a different relationship with death than we do in Western world. Um, and I think a lot of the issues that we've created on this planet are because we're afraid of death or because we're afraid of suffering. Um, and we have a certain view um, of what it means to die, of an ending, of something dark, of some, of, yeah, you know. Um, and and if we're able to shift um, our view away from that, then there's a continuum um, of existence, there's a oneness of consciousness that to me is very comforting. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what we talk about with hope is like we're we're trying to survive as a species or this and that, but like, just being rational and logical, like no, no species has ever <laughs> lived on forever. And the idea that, that humans will, will live on forever is, is very illogical, but consciousness and, and life and, um, and the universe and something greater than that maybe, maybe will. And, and maybe that is the source that we all come from. So, um, I wouldn't say I'm hopeful because I'm just grateful for being here now. Mm. Love that answer. Because it really is Me about too. presence. Yeah. Yeah, it really is about well, presence. It's interesting because with the dog, I'm like, without even discussing it with him, is close to that practice. <laughs> I mean, the dog is so simple, right? It's like the dog doesn't know anything other than presence, right? Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for yeah, sharing that's, that. That's that was great. that was very inspiring and uh yeah. A great reminder. You know, my my great elders great. and friends in the in the Andes of Peru, you know, their dedication in life and indeed I think one of the antidotes that they provide us here in in the north is the radical attention to the present mm -hmm. and the radical attention to connection. It's actually what makes music work, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, makes art great, makes expression truthful. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, they goes so far as to say whenever you're dreaming of the future or recollecting the past, you're actually creating a very unhealth helpful form of energy called hucha mm. that is like the mud on a windshield mm -hmm. and that you okay. can't see the nature of reality and you can't authentically connect mm -hmm. if you're not attuning yourself consistently to that present moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, that allows you know, whether we're talking about Ornette Coleman or, or talking about uh, um, the work that y'all are doing, that is what allows that vibrational medicine to emerge that creates those moments of oneness, those moments where we understand that the dualities aren't in opposition, creates the harmonies that actually will, you know, hopefully buoy us to the next, next positive mm. step in our evolution. Mm -hmm. And death is an interesting thing too, you know. Oof. It's like so bad. we are, you know. There's a lot of money to be made in in a culture that has uh, <laughs> has uh, 
a lot of fear of death. I just recently read this the new trend for um, composting bodies versus cremating. Well, definitely the the actual the cemetery thing is. There's no more room. Oh. No, what are you doing? There's no more room. Stop doing that. But then cremating creates pollution, right? So now there's these companies who created this like pretty much like composting beds for for human for deceased so human you can bodies. Eat your grandmother. <laughs> Well, they become, it's a little less cannibalistic. It's more like, <laughs> like it becoming trees. Your loved one becomes a plant or a tree, you know. Or you can yeah. turn your grandma into an eggplant or whatever you want. Um, but it but is lovely that people are actually bold enough to experiment with these, mm, with yeah. these things. Yeah. 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 One of um I was in Brazil last year for, for an event, kind of like a conference slash festival. And. And um, they invited a few uh, Amazonian leaders to speak. Um, in this case, they were they were both women, one younger, one older, both activists. And the older one um, kind of like interrupted the end of a, a conference at one point and just like she was very fiery and, and beautiful, like warrior spirit. And she told a story and I won't tell this whole story, but the end of the story was was basically how, you know, humans come from the earth, they're born from the earth. And when we die, we return to the earth. Um, and we fertilize the earth right. with our bodies. Without the casket, right? The problem is yeah. the casket. <laughs> and <laughs> and in the true. process, what kind of, in the process of giving back, because, you know, while we're alive, we're just, we're taking, we're consuming food and like, right, this is part of this experience. But... But what kind of fertilizer do we want to be for the earth when we go back? And and I think, you know, when, you, when you're talking about that, you can talk about the physical plane of like what foods do we want to ingest in our bodies so that when we return to the earth, what frequencies are we putting back into the earth? But I think also, you know, when you're thinking about your, your thoughts and your consciousness and things like that, what kind of thoughts, um, what kind of energy do you want to, you want to you know, nurture Um and bring back to the earth when when we pass. Um, so that that for me is a really profound image that I'm still kind of integrating and it's processing. A, it's a powerful image because because we forget how radically dissipative systems we are. I mean, mm -hmm. we take in and let go of enormous amounts of energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the oxygen I'm breathing right now molecules of oxygen could have been three days ago on the top of Kilimanjaro. I mean, it's, it is remarkable. And so yeah. are we with intention releasing what no longer mm -hmm. serves with, with the mind of, of compost? I love that. You know, in, in, you know, in the, in the tradition that I have, um, you know, come to love and, and practice and teach um, the idea is that we give to Pachamama our suffering, our heaviness, our sadness. And if we have clear intention in that giving, giving to mother what no longer serves us, it becomes compost mm -hmm. for the web of life. And mm -hmm. that's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. So I, um, I'm super curious. What is, 
What is your take, each of you, on the radical, rapid diaspora and, and spread of sacred medicine practice out of Ooh. the bounds of their native cultures? Ah, uh, that's like double edge. Yeah. You know, as we were talking about all these practices and what we put in our bodies and all these things, I just had a a vision, a thought of both of our countries, like, you know, motherlands in South America and how where I th I'm going to speak for myself, how I am speaking from privilege right now. Like I'm able to watch what I put in my body. I'm able to sit in ceremonies. I'm able to travel to places. I'm... And there's a lot of people on this planet that don't even have a remote chance yeah. to even think, consider any of this. Thank you. Thank you for putting voice you know? to that. That's important. And yeah. uh, wow. that also it kind of links to your question that came afterwards because all of these practices that they are now becoming mainstream and they are being exploited come from these peoples that uh, the white man, I mean, I don't like saying white man. I don't like say, you know, making that distinction, but it, it happens. It's happening with our nature. Um, but the, the greed and the colonization have been systematically for centuries trying to kill these peoples. Ethnocide, absolutely. Yes. Great. 100%. Um, there's so much medicine and the Quechuas and the Mapuches and like all these tribes from, from my country, for example, from, from, from Argentina. Uh, there's so fewer, few, there's like very, very small tribes from them. And it's because they were um, killed. They were, they were enslaved, uh, raped, tortured, killed, their land stolen. And so for me, in a, in a way, it's like, okay, we're, we're understanding that what we did was wrong, very, very wrong. And, you know, parts of humanity are trying to learn from the ancient ways, the respectful ways, the the grateful ways of coexisting with Pachamama. And at the same time, there's the ayahuasca tourism. Yeah. You know, where gringos get killed too in the process. Like my mother lost her son to a center that was about the money. Oh. And like this very young man, 27 year, year old man died because of the the lack of integrity and like you know respect to this ancient medicines and and practices so it's it's a really for me like it makes me like actually like it hurts um to talk about this it is painful to see much it's, of what's it's happening painful. um such a a, a precious consciousness mm -hmm. that we 
that doesn't belong to us. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the challenge, you know, and, and I carry, I carry, um, two medicine lineages myself. And, and as a, as a white man, I am very attuned to the, the, the fact that it does not belong to me. It is not a tool. It is not, it is a sacred consciousness, no short of having the Buddha, with you and you serving at the, at the feet of a, a great world teacher. Um, my concern among many, but my primary concern is the commoditization mm-hmm, issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and this question of commoditization goes from plant yeah. medicines to music. It's like, you know, is that fundamentally capitalistic growth attitude towards anything that's sacred ever going to work. Um, And, you know, we're seeing so many challenges and so much misunderstanding around plant medicines right now. I mean, on one hand, bless Michael Pollan for, for introducing to the general public um, a a grounded viewpoint about um, um, visionary medicines. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, the dark underbelly of that is it's it's driving further commoditization. You know, seeing on Facebook, you know, do your medicine journey at home with an app. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. What an interesting experiment this is, you know. This well, is what growing. about the AI shaman that we might see soon? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. What about you? How are you? How are you feeling about this? Uh, being so how are you quiet. feeling about this this uh, interesting spiritual mosh pit we're finding ourselves in? I've been thinking about that a lot because um, I have a I personally have an issue with the idea. Um, it's been thrown a lot uh, around lately. This this word or this phrase, uh, cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, because I don't I don't really believe in it i think me neither you're either you're either a dick (laughs) or you do things with love and respect Mm -hmm. um and there's no one there's no in between and like culture has always been a spread um and something that's shared um and i believe that that is you know and there's there's scientific evidence and experiments that have been done that like culture and consciousness get spread even without physical contact um, and so I, th- I think, you know, when we talk about that in music and in art, it's like, it's a, it's a shared human gift. I think there's two different. And you're either going somewhere subject. to, to kind of with negative intentions, without honoring a tradition, without wanting to give back, without being authentic, um, just for your own, um, needs to, Feel your own fears of of insecurities, of scarcity, and of greed, or whatever, right? Um, so, with that kind of negative energy, or or you're going somewhere to to spread and to really learn and to do the best you can, and um, and so for me, it's not so much about cultural appropriation or not. It's actually like just what are your intentions and where are you coming from? Um, but, but one thing is cultural appropriation, and another thing is monetization. I feel like or co- commodity, yeah, but I think I think they usually come hand in hand, the two. Um, I think they, they can. They can. Yeah, they I, can. I agree. Um, and on the other hand, it's also like in, in the space of like duality. It's like 
it's like you you can't you can't have anything without without its opposite and so for, for me and, and more than like judging the shadow or judging the negative or judging that it's like actually even people that don't agree with me um it, it's been part of my medicine but like last night we had an, an incident where, where somebody like very clearly had different views of the experience that uh, at least how i contributed to it than i do um and my practice is to be grateful for that grateful for that person's um differing perspective and and it's in the opposites that we create each other alan watts speaks of, of this beautifully of how mm -hmm. he's grateful for the sure. person who disagrees with mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. because that allows him to know what he believes um and in that is is all of creation mm -hmm. and so to to want everybody to be this perfect utopian being that does things from a place of honor like if everybody was that then there would there would be nothing um and so for me it's like in the bouquet of of diversity that that we all exist mm. i'll offer i'll offer this i i really appreciate and agree with everything you all are are saying and i go back to ethnocide mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are the what are the hidden drivers the subtle hidden drivers that allow us with impunity to erase the cultural diversity on the planet and for me first and foremost it is not honoring what a culture has cultivated as sacred mm -hmm. and that means not a, not if you're going to you know inherit a piece of that for yourself you have to be invited mm -hmm. you have to learn the whole system especially the uncomfortable parts that you may not want to mm -hmm. invest in there's deep renunciation and deep sacrifice and the third thing is permission you know mm -hmm. it's like i have elders that have taught me so many things that they went to the, you know, one of them, my, my, I was adopted by a Cherokee elder and she went to her grave, not giving me permission to, to share about 70% of what she taught me. And I will wow. honor that to my grave because the teaching was held something so precious. And, and I have to understand that it was for me. Mm. Um, so, it feels like this is a, a ripe dialogue to continue mm -hmm. among all of our brothers and sisters who are interested in this intersection. Yes. Because what a culture holds sacred is, is through the recognition of that sacredness by the outsider is the way that that culture will remain resilient. Yes, yeah. yes. That's one of the many reasons why I love this whole leaf thing because yeah. about preserving the various cultures as they are. Exactly. Without changing, without imposing, without disrespecting. Da -da -da -da. And you are preaching to the choir and everything that you, you just said, um, I agree. Even though I am, you know, somewhat like a weird example of this in terms of I'm a white passing Latina because my ancestors are mostly European. I have some, you know, South American like mixed in there. 
Uh, you know, my skin is, is lighter and so I cannot speak for like being judged right away for my, you know, my skin and my culture. Although I come from a country where I have seen on a daily, my brothers and sisters from Kuhui, the same country as Argentinians, as I am, being discriminated because they come from indigenous, yeah. from the, 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 the masters, the, the OGs of the land. And so, and I've, I have heard many tragic, very sad stories of all these peoples being exterminated. So I appreciate uh, what Andre was sharing deeply, and I understand it. I'm not fully there yet. Mm. Um, maybe it's like a handicap of me. I can't fully be there mm. because, um, yeah, like the extermination of a, an entire culture. Like I, like I don't, I can't comprehend it fully. Well, I think a piece of what I got out of what you were saying goes back to an old teaching mm -hmm. that you can't protect something that you don't love. Mm -hmm. And we don't love our commodities. We might love to consume our commodities, but, you know, leaf. Jennifer Pickering's work with the Leaf Festival. What I've witnessed in the 17 years that I've been part of that is that she is building worldwide family that that people from artists and um, musicians truth tellers from ghana come and stay with families here and then 10 years later they're all family mm -hmm. they're still connected and that seems to me the way that we're ultimately going to create the antidote to ethnocide and and there is, you know, I think there is a very potent evolutionary imperative. I mean, it is in all things biological, the preservation of diverse expression that gives us our resilience. This is why monocrops don't work. This is why McDonald's and Arby's on every single corner doesn't work for our greater mm -hmm. um, resilience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, you know, it's about the diversity of expression. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is so incredibly sacred. You know, mm -hmm. and it goes back to the idea of diversity and duality that we need. We need all of it to where we can't just be one. It can't just be the other. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can go deeper into like we, we consciousness <laughs> and how, how we, we create reality and, and how, you know, we're always going to have two sides to like even even once once we eradicate racism and the issues with with global warming and um you know all of these issues that we're dealing with and and respecting indigenous there's there's always going to be Something new else. issues right yeah, yeah um and and it's not to say that we shouldn't do the work i think that's part of of being human it's part of being alive it's part of uh moving forward and it's part of this this experience of of living but um but I think it's also for me. It's very, it's very useful to come from like a, a place 
um, what I would say is a, a healthy place of acceptance to to do the work than a place of of blame, of judgment, of mm. critique, because then I'm just perpetuating that energy, which is not what I want to perpetuate. Um, and some people do, and, and that's okay in the duality of, of creation. You Thank know? you for calling that you out, know? because because shame blame and 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 darkness is no motivation you know giving making people feel guilty about the state that the earth is in is not going to help us it's it's getting people to love the earth mm -hmm. and love each other totally. i'm really grateful to both of you for taking the time to engage in some really deep dialogue and some good truthful discourse today Small talk. Yeah. <laughs> we could go on for a long time mm -hmm. and i hope that we'll have the opportunity in the future i i Bless you guys for the beautiful work that you're doing and your dedication to uh, making the world a better place. And I'm excited to see what's what's next for uh, for you all in the music and and creative domains. So thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your work. It's beautiful to be here. Yeah. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you. We are. Voxmana and Andre just send me the lyrics for this song about the medicine of cacao that he is teaching me. Shall we give it a try? Sure. Also find more creative collaborations on all our major streaming platforms. 
Visit our YouTube channel for more creative content and video episodes of our podcast. Osiris.